Hello and welcome to Four Color Nerds Comic Book Reviews. This is episode 93. I'm Matt, and I'm joined by one of the other nerds, Ryan. Hello. Christine is off battling a mother box while Carissa battles the ravages of Surtur. The needs of the many require that the Odin Force be bequeathed to you both, always. That's three separate references right there, guys. It's actually We're four, starting. right? Four. Mother Where's box, Suter. Oh, okay, no. The I was needs of the many, the, that's the Star Trek, right? So we got five. Yeah. We got five. We got the Mother Box, we got Cert, we got the needs of the many, we got the Odin Force, and we've got uh, the Force, because we tried to fix a couple things there. So that's five. We're <laughs> totally nerds. <laughs> Especially since we're stopping to break this apart and explain it. <laughs> <laughs> Let me explain my clever reference to you. Of course you don't understand. <laughs> the weekly barrage of comics and comic-related news can be pretty scary, so we're here to let you know what to check out and what to avoid. We read a variety of comics and gather here to discuss them, as well as anything else that's popped up in the world of comics. There's a chance of spoilers, so if you're worried about them, take a break now and go read the pull list, then come on back. We'll be reviewing Batman number 32. The Incredible Hulk number 709. The Mighty Thor number 700. The Invincible Iron Man number 593. And all new Guardians of the Galaxy number 12. This just in. Breaking news. Stop the presses. News from the bullpen. All right. So my news is going to tell you about a nerd showdown that's coming to you about a month from now. On November 17th, Netflix is dropping The Punisher. The whole season will air then. That'll be on Netflix. That same day is also when Justice League is premiering in the theaters. So... You might have a little bit of a nerd dilemma that day. I'm not sure which one you're going to go see, but that is going to be a busy, busy nerd weekend coming up. So clear your schedules because you're going to be nerding out that weekend. Because Marvel and DC love to bicker back and forth. Yeah, they love to fight over that weekend, you know. Seriously. I think they did this before with, uh, was it Captain America? When Batman versus Superman was coming out, they kind of jumped around a little bit. Because of, I think, like, the original release date for one of them was, like, later in the year, but then Civil War was coming out. So they're like, oh, fine, we'll move it earlier. How great, though, is it that we live in a time where we have to choose which comic book-related movie or TV show we're going to go see? We don't just get, like, one a decade if we're lucky that's decent? Seriously. (laughs) It's really a golden age. And, like, five that are released just directly to the Sci-Fi Channel and suck. Yeah. I feel like we're complaining that all the money in our wallet really weighs it down and (laughs) causes back problems. I look at I looked at the end of the year and I'm like, oh, I don't have enough money for this. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. so that's the news for you guys. Clear your calendars for November seventeenth. All right. Every episode, one of us picks their favorite book, and that's our pick of the week. This week, I am that nerd, and my pick of the week goes to the mighty. Thor number 700. The companion song is Centuries by Fall Out Boy, because I feel the song is about being or becoming a legend, which is basically Thor's arc. His entire life, and even his comic book story arc, is about being worthy of the hammer. He's sent to Earth by Odin originally because he's vain, uncontrollable godling, unfit to his name. And then Thor becomes humbled by living the life of Donald Blake, who is a, I don't want to use a, a bad term, but crippled, doctor. And once he moves past that and he learns humility he learns how to be the noble hero he doesn't even you know need black anymore and he's he's just thor all the time basically but then you know because of other things that happen through his long history he becomes unworthy of that and jane foster then takes up the hammer uh and thor 
then continued to try to become worthy to live up to being that legend to get his hammer back and you know i just feel that that the whole song is about hey let's come on guys let's let's do this let's be awesome if you watch the video it's it's basically the band gets stuck in a, a roman arena and they have to fight this huge dude and they have to kind of get together and figure out how to be heroes basically at least for themselves nice yeah so the, the song's cool thor's cool together awesome and the clothing's about the same too <laughs> Let's take a listen. The Mighty Thor number 700 by Marvel Comics. Death of the Mighty Thor, Part 1, Blood of the Norns, written by Jason Aaron, art by Walter Simonson, Matt Wilson, Russell Dowderman, Daniel Acuna, James Heron, Dave Stewart, Becky Cloonan, Dan Pastoris, Chris Burnham, Ives Forcina, Andrew McLean, Jill Thompson, Mike Del Mundo, and Oliver Coipel. Oh, take a breath and rest, Matt. I had to type it out. You had to say it. It's a lot of people on this book. Holy shit. <laughs> it's a beautiful book, though. Yes, it is. It, it better be after all these freaking artists. All right. This particular issue is the, I think it's the 55th anniversary book of Thor. And it's the 700th issue. It's one of those milestone big books. Part of, I think, what got Marvel to go back to this with their, their whole legacy line is they're putting everything back to the original numbering. I think you guys talked about that last week while it was out. Yes. But Thor 700 is basically him returning to what he would have been if they'd never, you know, restarted 15 times to try to get everybody <laughs> to go buy number one issues. And hopefully they keep with this because I, I like I actually like comic books with high numbers, but that's just me. So this is labeled as a 50-page Asgardian epic right on the cover. The Mighty Thor lives up to this hype, I think. We have several tales of multiple Thors and their glorious undertakings. And we're going to see the current Thors, Odin's son, the Mighty Thor, and War Thor. We also see young Thor and old King Thor. Even Throg, the Frog of Thunder, whose alternate identity, and I don't know if this is previous to this book, but it's an actually an awesome callback to Thor history. Also a call out to one of the artists in this book, Walter Simonson. It was Throg's name was Simon Walterson. Now, <laughs> I saw that and I'm like, wait a minute, that sounds really familiar. <laughs> we even get to kind of some of the sneak peek references as to what's building up in the Marvel Universe to be what I'm guessing, personally, is going to be the big event of 2018 to go along with the release of Avengers Infinity War. The upcoming issues also make me think that, you know, the little page at the back there, they also make me think that we're going to see Jane Foster again, uh, because this is called The Death of the Mighty Thor, so something's going to happen to Jane. It kind of almost happens in this book, but I think we're going to see her again even after she passes on, because that's going to happen, guys. Sorry to say it. Well, that's the thing with with Norse mythology like like death isn't necessarily the end like she could become a valkyrie she could be drafted into like hella's service i mean there's all kinds of stuff that could happen to to her my money is that she especially since one of the covers on the back says something about war in heaven i think she's going to become one of the is it called heaven still they just spell it really weird is that the one that angela's from yeah it's where angela's from i, I think she's going to end up there and then she's going to basically come back as like a angela looking character probably with a very similar costume to what she's got right now but maybe with some more wings or something i don't know but that that's my bet as to where they're going with her 
man, this one was awesome. It's really long, but every little part of it, you feel like you're getting something really interesting and important. And I think they were really smart in the way that they did it in that the the Norns get attacked, right? And they say Norns bleed stories. So as they're fighting, like all of these stories of Thor and his past are spilling out. So it's a good way to have basically almost like an anthology of Thor throughout time. I mean, all the Thor books lately really play with multiple Thors throughout time anyway, but this really links it together very well, I think. And I think it's a really good book to be a milestone book. You know, it's trying to show history where everything's at right now and, you know, where we're going to be going. When you said that they bleed stories, you literally in the art, and there's a huge pile of artists on this book, but the art literally has like these lines that I don't know if they're supposed to be the roots of Igrasil or it's the Norn blood or whatever, but it like basically flows out into story. And it actually, you could see it down in the art down at the bottom. And some of the pages are just these gorgeous splash pages of Thor stories. There's one where Thor has a gold hammer, which I, I didn't like the gold part of the hammer but the, it's just it's fucking gorgeous it's a gorgeous book and it's it's a good story but it's it's complex too and it's just it's all these storylines just crossing over each other but they all flow really well and they're all cosmic like thor is supposed to be and i i really like to that with both the frog character and with jane foster you really get the sense that it's not the size or the physical strength of someone that make them worthy of the hammer of thor you know exactly like i was really surprised how much i liked that little frog thor he was <laughs> awesome he was a badass and he's got his own war going on yeah like he, he's got his own patrols that he does and i'm like i want a book about that like if you're familiar with Redwall, it feels a lot like those books that's what I was going to say, actually. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's kind of Red Wally. Yeah. Or Mouse Guard, if you like that as well. Very similar, that there's this war, you know, between these animals with, like, rats and birds and frogs and stuff. And it's pretty cool. And there's also, like, a really touching part where Jane Foster and She-Hulk fight each other. And Thor ends up, you know, collapsed at the bottom of a building and she doesn't have her hammer. So she's going to turn back into Jane Foster, which will instantly crush her to death, you know, and she's trying to call her hammer to her and she can't. And the little frog comes down with this little sliver that he uses as his Thor's hammer and touches it to her. And I just thought that was so touching and cool. Yeah, and she's literally, she's in the middle of transitioning back into Jane Foster. Like, you can see, like, the the wrap she's got on her head because she's lost all of her hair due to chemotherapy and all that. It's literally, like, the very last minute and it's just... It's perfect, like, the light opens up, and here's a hero, and he's Thor. Thor. <laughs> and I, I also feel like this one sets up not only the history of what we had, but the stakes of what is coming up. Because we see some characters that people are probably familiar with meet some really unfortunate ends. Like, I don't want to spoil it, but one of our, you know, podcast favorite characters here meets a, a pretty grisly end. Yeah, um, there's that, and I don't know if it's the one in the middle or the one in the end that you're talking about. People should read the book, because there's multiple (laughs) shocking deaths in here. There's a few, and then there's some some old, 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 like, Jack Kirby-level old bad guys in this. Yes. And and there's going to be some heavy metal listening to some upcoming issues here, because there's going to be some big, big battles. Yeah, that's the thing with with Thor, is... It really deserves a a pounding heavy metal 
soundtrack. And this one yeah. fits into that in the best way that metal does. I don't mean to say that it's, you know, not an interesting plot or whatever, but you've got blood and honor and ancient mythology and exciting action and, you know, emotions and themes like writ large across the page. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, I actually spent about an hour and a half trying to figure out the companion song. I was looking <laughs> up heavy metal and like uh, Swedish death metal and I'm like, I need something fucking epic sounding and nothing just kind of hit just right. And, and I just looked up songs with thunder in the name. <laughs> <laughs> you can go with Thunderstruck by ACDC. Would... I almost did, but have you ever listened to the lyrics of Thunderstruck? Yeah, not the best. Not appropriate. <laughs> so, so I, I thought it was pretty, pretty freaking badass. I thought this book did everything Legacy should do. It reminded you of why Thor is cool, the depth and breadth of what he's done, and why he's going to matter in the future. So far, I'm really happy with Legacy. Uh, I, I haven't really hit a legacy book that doesn't do what it's supposed to do, and I'm, I'm pretty proud of them. Yeah, I think they've delivered what they promised to us. Hopefully they don't piss everybody else off. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think that they've all been very consistent. We're going to cover a lot of legacy books this week because they're burying us under legacy books. So we'll see, you know, across the line if it's consistently excellent or not. Right, we're almost a Marvel cast right now. Uh, I think there's one book that's not Marvel at this point. <laughs> Seriously. Legacy cast. <laughs> I'm going to give it 4.75 Mjolnirs. I will give it four and a half. By all the gods, it can't be. Nice. All right. Terrifying and nice. <laughs> <laughs> so, like I said, this is a Marvel Legacy week. So we're going over to The Incredible Hulk number 709 from Marvel Comics. Return to Planet Hulk, part one. Written by Greg Pak. Pencils by Greg Land, inks by Jay Leister, colors by Frank D'Armada. So if Heavy Metal Magazine was kind of your clue into the Mighty Thor, I feel like all of the Mad Max movies are your your keystone here for The Incredible Hulk. So Amadeus Cho, he exiled himself to the remoteness of space. His anger is growing stronger and more, more controlling of him. He receives a message that his help was needed on Scar and pilots his ship through a convenient wormhole. He crash lands into Mad Max. Cho essentially meets the descendants of the original Planet Hulk storyline and finds that the world has fallen back into chaos and Thunderdome punk rock gladiatorial matches with sweet-ass raised monster trucks and big-ass swords and gladiator armor. Cho's drawn into a trial by combat that's taking place between different clans and is the champion of a tribe of lovable losers and down-on-their-luck ragamuffins. Just adorable little aliens that look up to him with these huge eyes and are, like, clearly starving, so you get a lot of sympathy for them. Getting his ass kicked, he taps into the anger of the Hulk and lets it take control. Hulk smash! Hulk is the strongest there is! <laughs> Damn right he is. So, this one, I think, is maybe not as elegant as the Thor book. This one feels a lot just like a retread. I mean, you've got a different main character in it, but I really feel like they haven't separated it enough from Planet Hulk as they could have your first time around. Which, don't get me wrong, Planet Hulk is one of my favorite books, so it's still pretty good, but I think they could have done maybe a little more with it. The art looks pretty good. The aliens look e either awesomely terrifying, if they're your enemies, or some of them look pretty desperate and in need of help. I did really enjoy the scene where Cho is getting his Hulk teeth kind of kicked in and has to tap into the primal anger of the Hulk, and they go into that metaphor that they've been using with the Hulk trapped 
strapped in the trunk of the car and Cho, you know, trying to keep it in control. And Hulk just like climbs out of the trunk and basically shoves him aside and takes the wheel. Pretty awesome. That scene was fucking epic. It's like, get in the back. <laughs> it was pretty good. And the visuals on this, I mean, the Planet Hulk visuals, you've seen a lot of them in the trailer for the new Thor movie. So if you want to see the Hulk dressed up like a gladiator in a sort of dystopian Mad Max future, you're going to get a lot of that in this book. You can tell the some of the differences too between Cho and, and Banner and the armor that they do. This armor seems very Cho. Like the other armor was more kind of brutish. His armor is a little bit more kind of flamboyant in this, which just like the gelled hair and all that, those, those <laughs> puppy shoulder pads that he has, just like, yeah, that's Cho. <laughs> Yeah, I thought this one was really cool. I just think that they're hitting a lot of the notes and plot lines from Planet Hulk. Like, maybe as time develops, you'll see more differences since, you know, time has passed and whatever. But even all the people he meets, it's like there's a stand-in for almost every major character from the original book that formed his warband that he had. So I think this is good, but I think it lacks a little creativity for it. Like, I don't feel like we're getting necessarily a new take on Planet Hulk, just more more of the same of that story, which is honestly okay by me, but I, I hope they do a little more with it as time goes on. I mean, if this book had happened maybe nine issues earlier, maybe they probably would have tried a little bit more to be a little bit deeper or something like that, but True. this is like a 709. The Thor book in some ways was literally kind of that, but because it's so multi-threaded in the Thor book, it got a bigger chance to kind of blend together. This book was really fast-paced and quick and it was it seemed over before I I was like just bam right into it and then it was done. And I was just like, "Oh, wait, I want more." It, I'm a huge downing myself here for saying huge since I'm what I'm about to say. <laughs> I didn't actually read uh Planet Hulk Oh, yeah. Matt, you're missing out, buddy. I know, but I fucking love the Hulk. <laughs> and I'm like, I just I have like no time. <laughs> Planet Hulk is really the distillation of everything that is great about the Hulk. It's that wanting to be left alone, being a dangerous, out-of-control beast, but also having this desire to help the the oppressed, you know, and people just won't leave him alone. The forces on that planet come at him, and he manages to realize that not only that being left alone isn't really what the Hulk wants. The Hulk wants to be part of something, you know, and the reason he wants to be alone is because he can't be part of things, but here he forms this family that has this deeper mystical bond with each other of these collection of basically gladiators, and they wreck shit, and then their shit gets wrecked. Like, it's fucking great so we'll get a lot of that i think in here yeah i'm wanting to see i i have to wonder where cho's pride hulk is gonna go now that he's been unleashed and he seems to have control here uh, like is he gonna keep control because he needs it to survive in this world or is you know basically is cho gonna try to come back or, or are we gonna get to see a, a fully hulked out cho like what the hulk is like as Cho. What I think would be rad is if we get like hulked out Hulk, you know, like a more typical Hulk of what we're used to. Mm -hmm. And then we get kind of cutaway panels of Cho maybe in the trunk trying to get out. That would be awesome. That would be awesome. I also want to know, I got to, I'm wondering because of the call that they were doing, I don't know if it was Cho's energy or if it was Banner's energy. If we're maybe going to see Banner show up at the end of this, maybe have a flip side of World War Hulk where Hulk comes to here and we've got two Hulks. That would be awesome. We've been wanting the two Hulk battle for a while. So much. <laughs> I just didn't get what I was looking for in the Generations Hulk book. It was like the most flat Generations book I think that there was. It was also the first one, so maybe they were like, 
I don't quite get it, but sure, here's some Hulks. It just, it fell flat to me, and I want more. <laughs> so, hopefully. All right, I will give it three and a half. Shut up and give me the wheel. So, let's see, I'm going to actually, I'm going to give it a, which is funny considering this is your book. I'm going to give it a higher score. I'm going to give it four. Let the gauntlet begin. All right. All right, so... We like cool, comic-related nerd stuff, and here's something we think you might like. I'm actually going to use something that I think you've actually already bought, Ryan, because, and we mentioned this earlier, there's so many fucking movies coming out. I really think everybody should go get a goddamn movie pass and get it now, because from what I've heard, it takes a while for you to actually get the freaking pass. It took me about five weeks to get it. But since I've gotten it, we have went every weekend to see a movie, and we've had no problems using it. So be prepared for it to take a while, but it's it works pretty rad. Why don't you explain, though, what it is before we say it's great and you should... So the, the movie pass, and we're not getting paid by movie pass, but if they want to send us all movie passes, I'm perfectly fine with that. You know, just I know saying. Carissa has movie pass as well. I know, but, but if you don't have to pay for it, that would be great. <laughs> so, <laughs> so the movie pass is basically you pay, I think it's nine ninety five a month, and you get a... A little. It says you need a, a phone, but it, yes. there's a card that you get. I think I don't have one. So, but you basically you get a pass, real well named, uh, that basically allows you to get a movie a day, a standard 2D movie, one every day. Uh, and it, it's just from what I've read, just the access to the movie. So you're still going to have to take out a mortgage on your home to pay for popcorn. Um, <laughs> it's true, but it gets you into the movie and with. All the superhero movies that are constantly coming out, as well as there's actually some movies that are coming out that don't have anything to do with comic books. What? And I know it, they still make I those? I know it's weird. I know it's weird. And I think that they should switch those over to comic book stories because you can still do like a rom com with some comic books. Uh, <laughs> and it, I, I still want to see Marvel do that. I think it would be awesome. Maybe Ant Man and Wasp. I don't know. For a second there, I got you, thought you were going to say Aunt May and, and I was like, oh, God, no. No. God, no. <laughs> oh, ew. <laughs> So let me explain how, since I have MoviePass, I'll kind of explain how it works. So you sign up for the, the service. They don't bill you until you actually get your card. So even though it's going to take a long time to get your card, you know, you're not going to be charged for it until you get it. So you do need a phone. There's an app you install. And what you do is when you're within, I think it's a thousand yards, but it's basically the parking lot of the place where the movie theater is. Or if you're in a mall, you can do it pretty much, you know, wherever you're in the mall where the theater is. And it'll show you all the different theater locations and i have yet to find a theater location that doesn't use this so there's a lot of choices it'll show you all the movies that are there you pick the movie and the show you want and it'll say like your reservation is there and then it loads whatever the cost of that ticket is onto your card so your card is actually a credit card which is why a lot of some movie chains don't want to do this but they can't not do it because it's just another form of payment, right? It's just another Visa card. So you say you want to see only the Brave at four o'clock. Boom, that costs $11. It loads $11 onto your card. You go up to the people, you buy your ticket, you give them the card, they swipe it, you get it. And then like Matt said, you take out the several hundred dollars you'll need for popcorn and sodas. <laughs> but it's pretty cool. You can see one movie a day and you cannot see the same movie twice. And it is not for 3D movies. I don't know because I haven't tried yet if you pay the difference between the two or you just have to straight out pay for your 3D ticket. But it's pretty great. It's by the person who invented Netflix and I have nothing but good things to say about it so far. Uh, if only they could just then bring those movies into my home so that I could just slack off and watch stuff from the comfort of my own chair. Well, if you got about $5,000, there is a service that will do that for you. Oh my god, what the fuck? <laughs> so if you have like a home theater, I think it's like $5,000 for the system and then a couple hundred bucks for each movie. And then it's, you know, current run movies in your house. But I'm not recommending that because that's a lot of that's money. That's almost as much as the popcorn, though. That's true. 
true. Two things of popcorn, then you don't even have to go out anymore. So Seriously. <laughs> and you couldn't because now you can't afford a car to get there. It's true. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so Movie Pass gets a thumbs up from me. I, I also would recommend that you grab that. So we're going to go back over to Marvel Legacy for The Invincible Iron Man number 593 from Marvel Comics, The Search for Tony Stark Part 1, written by Brian Michael Bendis, pencils and inks by Stefano Caselli and Alex Maleev, colors by Marta Gracia and Alex Maleev. So this is another one of the legacy books with Iron Man and all of the associated Iron people. So even while in a coma, Tony Stark can't escape his most dreaded enemy, his own board of directors. In addition to classic Stark industry shenanigans, Tony's comatose body has gone missing. Facing hostile takeover, Pepper, I mean Mary Jane Watson, calls Riri Williams, Ironheart to help. The situation's dire, so they also consider calling the other person to take on the mantle of Iron Man to reform Dr. Victor Von Doom to help. But he's busy rehashing his history with the Fantastic Four, with the Thing, and they talk and argue for a little while. Things are further complicated by a mysterious figure at the end, probably Tony, is my guess, crawling towards the Iron Man armor and putting it on before collapsing into a fetal position. And we all, at the end, we know the search for Tony Stark has begun. So this one is, plot-wise, I felt was pretty cool to kind of bring everyone together and show who the world has kind of accepted as taking on Iron Man's mantle, which is Ironheart, and the one that they don't like having it, which is, you know, Doctor Doom. There was... My only real complaint about the book is when Doctor Doom is talking to the Thing. That is probably the worst looking thing I've ever seen in my life, including the original 1960s garbage illustrations. Where he's just like this big lump. Yeah, it's pretty fucking terrible. Which is, and it's also annoying because earlier in the book, there's a, a well-drawn thing exactly. at the expo. And I'm like, what the fuck? And, but you see it later on, and it's literally, like, thing's not supposed to look, like, tall and slender. No, he's a dumpy dude. He's like a, you know, kind of what stocky. the 1960s version of, like, a football player or wrestler would look like. Yeah, it, this, it didn't get it. <laughs> no, it was that, those couple pages or panels were a complete failure, I thought. But the actual book itself, though, had some pretty cool parts, I thought. I thought the conversation they were having was actually pretty interesting because it's, again, hinting about the return of the Fantastic Four, in, in my opinion, where, you know, the thing is just giving Doctor Doom tons of shit and saying, you know, he had all the opportunities to be as good as Reed, but he never will be because he's a piece of shit, basically. <laughs> and Doctor Doom is like, whoa, 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 buddy. Like, he's... Dude. <laughs> to his benefit, you know, he does seem to actually be reformed here, that what they did in Secret Wars, you know, at the end where he's kind of like laughing, where he's freed from the burden of what he's done before, that does seem to be holding up. So I kind of like that. Uh, I like the stuff with Riri. I always like when we get her. She's a breath of fresh air and probably, in my opinion, other than Miles and Kamala, probably some of the more successful new characters that have come out in a while really like her they also talk a little shit about mary jane like why is this you know concert promoter in charge of stark industries which i kind of agree with like it doesn't seem seems a little above her abilities but she seems to be conveniently handling it plot wise i didn't really like when mary jane jumped over to iron man especially since and you've made this complaint a couple times you have spider-man jumping over to being iron man Right. Tony, at least. Why is MJ literally, literally? I'm, I'm asking a literal question. Why the fuck is MJ in an Iron Man book? I get that it's she's a redhead and he likes redheads. Yeah, but come on, <laughs> there's no reason. There's just no reason for her to be here. She's doing a good job, but I'm like, this is just because you don't want to lose the character. For some reason, guys, it's just dumb. Just put her back in a Spider-Man book. Yeah, 
And I mean, we, we reviewed Amazing Spider-Man last time, so Spider-Man as Tony Stark is kind of over, so maybe she'll make her exit as well. But the book, I also liked that that end scene is vague enough that you're not sure who it is. I mean, I think it's Tony because he's kind of like grabbing his chest, which to me tells me he's having like a heart attack or something, until mm-hmm. he gets to the armor that has the the arc reactor and then puts it on and then he seems to be not exactly fine because he is still curled up in a fetal position, but he looks weird. He looks like he came out of uh, one of those Matrix uh, pods, you know? He's all exactly. bald and covered in liquid and fucked up. Yeah, But uh, you notice he also... he crawls back to the the classic iron man armor i mean this is the armor that he had from like 68 to like right. 89 or something right. like that like so this is like this is the iron man armor this is what when i think of iron man as you know little kid me this is the one that they made the the secret wars toy out of this is iron man's armor right here so this is like the perfect kind of legacy iron man suit to have it's also what the the hologram tony was in yeah so I think this book has a a lot going for it, especially if you like Iron Man, who has become a lot more important since the movies have come out. I think you'll probably enjoy this one. You get a lot of plot lines that tie together in kind of vague ways of the different Iron Man books that are out right now. So I thought it was pretty, pretty good. And except for that horrible thing art, it's pretty, (laughs) pretty good. The art. like, And yeah. they, they keep each, essentially, what are the two books? The Iron Man book, which is Ironheart, and then you have the Doctor Doom one. They look very different in their art styles that they do. One is more painterly, one is more crisp and detailed, you know, and they're, they're able to move between those styles pretty well. I agree. So... Were you ready to rate it? Or do you have more for it? I had one other item. I, I do. I just want to reiterate: this is a legacy book, obviously, because we're back to five ninety three. And it, to me, I felt like this was a classic Iron Man book because I, I've I, I've been a nerd for a very long time and I've been reading comics for a very long time, probably before a lot of our readers were born. But Iron Man books have always been kind of about this. You know, there's a little bit of corporate stuff. There's a little bit of superhero stuff, and uh, you know, the recent kind of books have shown his impact on the rest of the Marvel universe. They kind of through all that together so again good job guys you're keeping it up yeah i think that it like i said it really does tie into that legacy and show you this is what good legacy books do right they show you the past why it was important and why it matters now and this book kind of delivers on both of those i will give it four i think i need a hug <laughs> dr doom uses his magic to make his enemies just hug each other instead of fighting him that yeah, was pretty- that was still <laughs> I, I, what is, I like that, that one little bit. Does anyone still want a hug? <laughs> yeah, at the end when the magic's worn off. <laughs> yes. Uh, it's nice to show that he can still like mind control and body control people, but he's not using it for evil. Right. And it was funny as shit. It was funny as shit. I'm going to give it four and a quarter. I'm not hacking. I'm peeking. <laughs> All right. Away from legacy over to well, almost dc legacy all right so let's go on over to dc comics with batman number 33 the rules of engagement part one written by the wonderful glorious tom king uh, <laughs> every time he's here we can't help but this tom king you're awesome um pencils and inks by joelle jones and colors by jordy belair jordy belair is a fantastic fucking colorist i just yes. have to say i mean there's a reason she wins all the eisners holy shit it's just it's good art is one thing but good coloring is not easy to do but jordy just does a fantastic fucking job i don't think most people realize how important your colorist is to your book your colorist not only sets like the emotional tone of the pages they're the last person to touch the page they actually do a lot of like touch-up work on the book they have to make the page work they're almost like an editor in a way 
at the end. And Jordi Belair does, first of all, it's, it's always beautiful what she does, but she always chooses her color palettes really well and lends emotional cohesion and truth to the books. She's fantastic. She really is. Totally agree. Uh, so this book picks up after the War of Jokes and Riddles and Kat's acceptance of Bat's wedding proposal. They're working on a personal quest to finish up some business in Kadim so that they can, you know, go ahead and get married. Uh, Kadim is a country that has been sealed off by the world and the Leagues of Justice, and we find out some of why later in the book. Uh, just going there makes the Bat have to break one of his own personal rules um, and his own... he. Uh, it breaks some laws that he himself laid down, and he points that out in the book. We get a peek at how the sons of the bat, quote-unquote, feel about their new mom, as well as a truly terrifying event. And then we get a clue at the end of it as to what the unfinished business is, and with an image of Talia al Ghul, who looks like she might have had a pretty fun night. <laughs> Her definition <laughs> of fun, yeah. Yeah, her definition of fun. So there, there's a lot of stuff in here that I don't want to spoil. But literally, you have this, like, awesome picture that this is some of, of like, the, the colors, but the art and everything was just the layouts on this were fucking great. It's it's a Batman book done by Tom King and whoever the hell they assigned to him because it's fantastic. Well, I thought the art looked really good in this, really crisp and clean. No, I agree. The, the art was really good, but, I mean, just, like, you're not, we're not... We don't have Mikkel Jannon on this, but it doesn't matter because the artist is still fantastic on this. I think and it fits. Tom King and Batman are at such a high level that they get to, you know, he gets to choose who he works with. And he's that, that's what it. I was kind of leading towards is just we can't put shit on this book. We have Tom King. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's fantastic. And Joelle Jones does the facial expressions. Mm-hmm. Fucking fantastic on this. Yes. When some of the news is dropped, like in this book, uh, I don't think this is a spoiler, but basically Alfred just drops to all the, the sons of the bat that Bruce proposed to Selena and she accepted. And they're all like, what, what the hell? <laughs> I like that scene is really good because each of them has a different reaction, which tells you about their character as well and is i thought the part where damien the part where damien loses his shit and starts like bawling like damien is a rock of stoicism right and cynicism like he does not cry and so they rightly freak out when they see this and they're like it's not your fault and he's like i know it's not my fault but i know what's there you know, <laughs> you should be terrified. Talia al Ghul is coming and it's going to be bad. Real bad. That was the spoiler I was trying to keep. Well, you said there's an image of Talia al Ghul at the end. No, 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 no. Not, not. She's not the spoiler. It's Damien crying. Oh. <laughs> That's fine. We warned everybody there will be spoilers, but it is truly terrifying to see Damien cry. I also really like the title for this, The Rules of Engagement. I think because it's, it's a nice little title that has several things here. Like this is their engagement is obviously part of it but they're also going to be engaging with one of batman's oldest and deadliest foes so and also his ex yes so and damien's mother and it's gonna get complicated yep awkward bat thanksgiving for sure <laughs> seriously guess who's coming to dinner <laughs> yeah. uh it's pretty good i think the art in here is really good i think the alfred drawing he looks a lot older than i'm used to him looking lately it's not bad that's just the only real noticeable difference that i thought the artistic license that Maybe Joel Jones took with their Alfred. Yeah, I, see, I'm a little spoiled because I've been watching a lot of Gotham, and the Alfred in there is kind of like the were they the Earth Primes or the Earth One books, the the ones where they're kind of a more they're meant to be a more realistic take on the superheroes. I mean, they're still a Superman, so it's it's not 
realistic, but <laughs> they're they're just meant to be more of a our world. And in there, Alfred is like an MI6 uh, fighter, and they kind of use that for Gotham because he's just like you can tell there's some mercenary shit that's happened in Gotham's Alfred, and I'm used to that. But then we go back to here, and we've got like the balding. He's got the pencil thin mustache, Alfred, right? The classic Alfred look. So I, I'm not against it. I'm just used to the other one because I've been watching so much of the other stuff. Yeah, I don't think it's a bad choice necessarily. It's just different that. What you're describing in Gotham is also what we've been getting in Batman. You know, that yeah. he was a former special special forces officer. His daughter is in the special forces, you know. So he's less like old man butler and more like, this is my cover, almost. And here, yeah. with the art, it's he's definitely old man butler dude again. And they didn't completely make that up because he's like a World War II veteran all throughout Alfred's history. Like, except maybe when he was originally introduced before World War II. But like, since like the the Neil Adams days, Alfred's had that kind of backstory of, you know, there's some shady shit that went down in Alfred's life. You just, they never really documented it much. Um, so it's not like they're, you know, pulling this out of their ass for a recent miniseries. And he really is, even though he looks unassuming and gentlemanly. Yeah, and I think we've touched a little bit on the coloring that, uh, Jordi Belair has done. Her coloring in the desert scenes is so good. Yeah, and it's the nightmare, uh, outfit that Batman has on in Batman vs. Superman. Yes. It was kind of cool to see, too. But it, it feels like the desert, and believe me, I, I live in Vegas, so... And yeah, I know what desert looks what's like. What's great about that, too, is not only does she do the desert in the day where it's all bright, but you also get the desert at night. And those colors, you know, they shift and they change, and that's really good work that, that happens there. And then and sundown. you get the brightness of the almost like family discussion that's taking place in the mansion, and then the absolute darkness and almost like a purple tone for where you see Talia in her orgy pit of death. That's... <laughs> <laughs> Probably the best name for it. Yeah. Because are they exhausted or dead? Who knows? <laughs> but or both. One way or another, Talia took care of them. Yeah, pretty much. So, uh, good Batman. It's very good Batman. It's Tom King. I can't complain. I'm going to give it... Man, this is a high-scoring week. I'm going to give it 4 and 33%. Okay, don't panic. This is happening. That's a tear. We're all dead. <laughs> I will give it 4. Kadim is... That's where she's hiding. I think we're both going from the same page there, because I think that is a really great part of the book. I, I think it is, too, actually. Let me... Yep, that's... <laughs> yep. Yours is the bottom, and mine's up kind of towards the top. Yep. So, it was a, a fantastic book. Let's go over to space. Get some space! We're going to go to all-new Guardians of the Galaxy number 12, Marvel Comics. We Said Hello, Goodbye. Written by Jerry Duggan, and art by... Rod Reese. This week, we find that the Guardians have started their search for the Infinity Stones here on Earth and are checking with their contacts to see if anyone has any leads. They meet up with Doctor Strange, Man-Thing, quote-unquote Cable, and even themselves a few times. Along the way, both Deadpool and Ant-Man try to join, but only one of them leaves at, to start their adventuring. This is the last Guardians book before Legacy hits, and it does a fairly good job, I think, at setting up the story to get to the main event. This is uh, basically, if you know, we were playing D&D, this is them picking up supplies before they head off into the dungeon. It's not a super important book. You could technically skip this book if you wanted to. Some of us did want to, um, but... <laughs> The uh, I felt the art on this was fantastic, and I felt it's a good... I think Guardians, and uh, James Gunn might have some to do with this, but I think Guardians is a very important 
piece of the Marvel Universe, both the cinematic and the non-cinematic. And I think where they're at right now is where the entire Marvel line, or at least the the main Marvel books, are going to be focusing on, and that's some cosmic Infinity Stone shit. Yeah. Um, And I think this book, it was a nice respite before battle. Um, so it, it's got a lot of really fantastic art. It's It reminded me kind of Bill Sinkowitz and maybe some of the Marvel graphic novels back in the day, you know, when they defined the term graphic novel. There was a lot of, uh, what do you call it, painterly, painted? Yeah. Paintish. Um, painterly is what I say. I don't know if that's the right term or not. Yeah. It, it's a lot of painted art and it's kind of stylized, but it's still realistic looking to a degree and there's some really good deadpool shots here um he scrunches his leg up to try to fit himself into a locker and literally like broke his leg and scrunched it up yeah so that he would fit in there because uh, he was trying to basically you know sneak off the planet but there's there's just a lot of really good facial expressions and the coloring is fantastic it's just it's a pretty book and it's a like i said not super important but it's a book that is there and it's got some really cool shots and some really cool scenes it's not a worthless book it's a good solid guardians book it's just not a big guardians book and there's some fucking gorgeous shots later on when i said that they even get to meet themselves you get to see alternate versions of the guardians through the eyes of man thing who's the nexus of all realities so that we know that the events that are about to happen are some serious motherfucking shit that is about to to go down in the Marvel Universe. Yeah, I mean, I think this one is a pretty decent Guardians of the Galaxy book. I don't know how important it is that you you read it, but it is very enjoyable if you do so. I, I like Rocket here. His facial expressions are really good. Um, you get a lot of eyebrow work in his acting with him, where you you know, which is weird because he's you know all fur, so he doesn't really have eyebrows. But you can see the different facial expressions playing out on his face, which is really interesting. I like kind of the cast of I like kind of the cast of characters we get here, where you get to see Deadpool, you get to see Ant Man, you get Man Thing, and I like that they explain why Man Thing is important in here. I think that that's very interesting that they do. The page you're talking about where you see all the different versions of the Guardians of the Galaxy, that's pretty cool, I have to say. Because not only do they see them, but the images they're seeing see them also and comment on them. Like, there's, like, lots of, like, why is that person here and, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's neat to see not only different iterations of them, but different possibilities of what they could be. That's kind of neat. And I thought both uh, Deadpool and Ant-Man were very funny. And I think I think we're trying to avoid the spoiler of which one goes into space, but... We are. Uh, it's a good fit. <laughs> it is a good fit. Uh, I also I really liked the part where Deadpool is explaining, you know, a thousand times before, everyone bet on Captain America, and he's always right. And the one time that I backed Captain <laughs> that America... Awesome. You know, turns out he's a shitbag. Like, (laughs) just my luck, right? (laughs) Yeah, that was awesome. I love that. That was pretty funny. And uh, Ant-Man is very funny as kind of the, you know, fuck up that, uh, you know, loser kind of guy who wants to do better. Scott Lang, how he's supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. Hall Rudd, maybe not the best choice. (laughs) Hey, he's, you know, know he's he's a a scoundrel, but he's not. He's a scoundrel. With a heart of gold? I don't... Well, one, uh, I... Scott Lang's a redhead, and fucking Hollywood loves to replace redheads with other people. So, that's fine. Whatever. You know. You gotta do what you gotta do. I know it's hard to find redheads. 
like fucking Archie. Well, Andrews. it's so hard for their cameras to pick them up because you know cameras capture your soul, and uh-huh. you got to use a bunch uh-huh. of mirrors to to do that. I'm covered in souls that I've captured myself. <laughs> Just saying. I also like when they meet Ant Man. That Rocket thinks his helmet is what shrinks him down. That was awesome. <laughs> He's like, nope, this is for talking to ants. <laughs> <laughs> I know, and I'm like, well, yeah, it is. That's actually a good point. <laughs> But also, I was like, I was, if I had to say, no, this is for talking to ants, they'd be like, why do you want to talk to ants? <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> Although Rocket has such a low opinion of Earth creatures, he might not really see the difference between them. Yeah, this is true. Yep, I'm going to give this, this is probably my lowest rating to this week, but it's still a good rating. I'm going to give it four. Nah, I just can't stand that other guy. You're cool, but before you start gun bumping... I just don't have any patience for this story time. You screwed up, and now everybody hates you. That's all the info I need. You can bum with us until you find what you're looking for. I'll also use a a quote here from the end. I will give it three. I'll be a good shipmate. I'm just so happy not to be under arrest right now. (laughs) And that didn't give any spoilers. Yep. (laughs) Both of them could have come out of either one of those characters' mouths. So, like we said, we got a lot of legacy books this week, and we don't really have the time to fully review... Each of them. So most of you are probably pretty familiar with a party game called Fuck Mary Kill, where they give you someone and you have to say what you're going to what you're gonna do, or they'll give you a list of people and you'll choose which one go in each category. So we're gonna do a comics version of this uh, with each one that I'm gonna call pull pass complaint on the internet. So I'll name the book and the creative team behind it, and we will say if you should pull it, pass on it, or take to the internet to complain. Sound Fair, Matt? You got the rules here? to me. We're both doing it, right? Yep. All right. So first one is spinning off of DC Metal. We have Batman the Drowned from DC Comics, The Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner, written by Dan Abnett, Pencils and Inks by Philip Tan, and Tyler Kirkman. Colors by Dean White and Arif Prianto. Pull, pass, complain, Matt. Pass. I didn't like this one. I will pull it. Uh, Cable number 150, Marvel Comics. The Newer Mutants, written by Ed Brisson, pencils and inks by John Mallon, colors by, I'm just going to say Jesus, uh, Lanham. Uh, I'm going to pull. I like this one. I'm going to pass on this one. So well, At least you're not complaining on the internet. <laughs> no, it wasn't terrible. It just was, you know, I did like Dupe. He was pretty That's great. That's part of what I liked about it. <laughs> so All Venom right. number 156 from Marvel Comics, written by Mike Costa. Pencils by Mark Bagley, inks by John Dell and Scott Hanna, colors by Dono Sanchez Almara. I will pull this one, surprisingly. Also surprisingly, I will also pull this one. I hate Venom, but I love this book. Yeah, it's pretty good. All right, Doctor Strange, number... Oh, wait, no, wait, sorry. You do this one. Doctor Strange, number 26, by Marvel Comics, written by John Barber, art by Nico Henrichon. I am going to pull this one. I will pass on this one. Fair enough. So we also have Luke Cage, number 166 from Marvel Comics. Cage, part one. This is part of the Legacy line. Written by David F. Walker. Pencils and inks by Guillermo Sana. Colors by Marcia Minya. Pull, pass, complain, Matt. Pass. I will also pass. All right. Animosity Evolution, number one. Aftershock Comics. Brave New World. Written by Marguerite Bennett. Pencils and inks by Eric Gapster. And colors by Rob Schwager. I will pass. I will also pass. All right. So next week, we're going to continue with some of the legacy stuff. We have The Despicable Deadpool, number 288, Black Panther, number 166, 
Captain Marvel number 125, and then over on the DC side, we also have the Commandy Challenge number 10. Uh, have you? I haven't even looked at the, the list of books for next week, so... I've looked at a couple of them. I'm not going to say necessarily I'm going to pick right quite yet. BPRD's got a new book coming out. Uh, the continuation of the Oz effect is happening. There's some stuff that is the is called After the Harrowing Events of the Dark Knights. So apparently that's over. There's even a Rick and Morty book. There's there's a few things I want to look at this next week, but i got to spend a little bit more time looking at it. I think we can sum that up maybe with, and more! And more. Enough said! <laughs> True believers? Excelsior! Alrighty. Uh, did you go over the uh, MF? Well, also, we're not going to be doing full reviews for these, but we'll also be covering DC's House of Horror number one, Batman the Merciless number one, and Jughead the Hunger number one. So that was the world of comics for this week. You can find all kinds of nerd shenanigans, including our other podcasts on original streaming media, Cut the Cord, at fourcolornerds.com or our Facebook page. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram. We're on iTunes and Google Play Music. On Stitcher. On SoundCloud. And on Podcast Addict. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. And be sure to come back next week for another episode. Till then, keep reading, nerds.